You're listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Mod Advisor and are able to give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. It's going to be a great year in 2022 at Florida Risk Partners now that IPFS is in the game with their total pay strategy we can write excess and surplus lines and completely remove the agency bill from our agency people if you're not using total pay by ipfs you're definitely leaving money on the table and action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level having partners like mineral only bolsters the fact that your clients do not care about the insurance. It's all of the value that you're able to add. And with partners like Mineral, who can help with both HR and environmental health and safety, we can't help but win. This is Power Producer Shop Talk. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Okay, so... I'm going to give you three things that are possible ways to talk Mm -hmm. about this with them. But I want to make a statement first. Somebody told me early in my career, this is going back 15 plus years at this point, but they told me that with GL, even if the code's not on the policy, it's never a coverage issue. It's an audit issue. So Mm -hmm. if they're doing restoration work, but they're not coded correctly, if there's a claim, it's not that the claim's not going to be covered. The claim is likely going to be covered unless it's excluded specifically, but they're going to get hammered. The code, they're going to get audited. The code's going to be added. The payroll's going to be allocated. And that's not the way you want to let the company know. But just for your edification, so that you guys know, you're probably not going to get into a situation where a claim's just not going to be covered because the code's not on the policy. If you think about like all the handymen and you know, the different types of, you know, like I've got a general contractor that does roofing, sidings, windows, doors, solar. And I found out two weeks ago, he's also doing a roll-off dumpster delivery. It's like, come on, guy, like this came out of nowhere. I need to get it on the policy, but I'm not worried as to whether or not he's going to be covered because the GL is going to cover him based on the general language. So let's just say that this thing's been written wrong. There's a couple of different ways you can go about it. Number one, just go about your business. (laughs) You know, you can go about your business, quote it, get the numbers, come back to them. And if this is a new account for you, this is somebody that you're going to be, you know, probably going to market for. So you're going to go multiple places, right? And you're going to get a bunch of different options. And I don't know what everybody else's marketing program looks like at this point, as far as when you go out and solicit quotes from carriers and what they come back with. But I can tell you, it's all over the place. So you're going to have abnormally high quotes for sure start there start Mm -hmm. with the highest quote because whatever you deliver after that is going to be better news than the worst case scenario that you started with and they're going to be more at ease when you get to that point the second thing that you can talk to them about is at some point you know this is wrong i know this is wrong you need to rip the band-aid off and get it fixed right now it's not an expensive proposition for you to fix this and have it written the right way even though it may be more money to you, it's not going to be as much money as it would be if we continued to leave it this way 
you end up having a claim and a code that's not on there that it should be. And they come in and they do audit you because the one thing I know, and I'm sure all of you know as well, is on the standard ISO GL form, they can go back up, go back for up to three years and look at that. And I've seen it happen before. So rip the Band-Aid off before they have cause to go back and look at it retro and it won't cost you as much. But sort of to Jennifer's point, the one thing that I've been saying a lot lately is, you know, especially when the premium is is realistic in its increase, like, listen, we're all a cut from the same cloth for the most part, at least to a certain degree. And I look at renewals and I'm like, this is nuts. There's no way I'm going to pitch this to my client. But then there's times I look at it and say, man, this is nuts. But I also know this is what the market bears and I don't have a choice because this is going to be the best option for them. And so I tell my clients all the time when I finally get to the point where I deliver the news of the pricing or whatever. And by the way, just just deliver the news. Don't beat around the bush. Eat the frog. Give them the bad news. Call it a day. They're going to respect you for that. But if they push back to me, my comment has become and, and will continue to be, if you can't afford the premium, you certainly cannot afford the claim. Mm -hmm. That's it, because they're going to push you on the premium. Now, if they come back and say, well, I need some kind of relief. Now you want to have a conversation, you know, depending on the size of the account, you may be able to put a deductible or a retention on the GL. You know, maybe there, there's room for it. Maybe the class of business will allow it, but you need to find that out. This is one of the reasons why, you know, and I would, I would argue, I have no proof of this because I have no idea what this account looks like, but I would tell you that from my experience, this is one of those accounts more than likely, and when I say this, I'm not talking about yours, but these general accounts where mm -hmm. it's the same situation, where you look at the loss runs and you see that there's a threshold that you don't see any claims under a certain amount, right? Like there's no claims on their loss runs under 5,000 bucks. And why? Because they're self-insuring for them. They think they're saving themselves money when in reality, they're setting themselves up for disaster. So that's one of the things. When you start seeing things that are a little bit off kilter as far as the deck sheet goes, I would be going and looking at your loss runs on the GL too, because I see this with plumbers all the time where the, you know, you'll go in and look at the loss runs and there's not a single claim on the GL loss runs of under five grand. Mm -hmm. I've seen some of these people do this with auto, which is just like playing Russian roulette to me. But you go in there, they put the, um, they have no claims under five grand and you, and you know dang well that they have claims under five grand and you ask them, hey, I just happen to notice you know how many claims under $5,000. Most of the time, they're proud of it. Most of the time, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, well, we don't turn those in. We're trying to control costs. Well, great job, Einstein. You've also accepted liability for a claim you didn't report to the carrier. So when this thing blows up down the road, I'm glad you saved a couple of bucks you know, in your mind on your premium because you're going to pay a lot of money out of pocket. The carrier's not going to come back a year from now when they find out that there's been slow water damage in the attic or whatever. I mean, we could make up a million scenarios. So I really think, man, that this is a time with everything that's going on across the board, everybody's shopping, number one, and everybody's going to be listening to the messaging that's been given. And that messaging can't always be about, here's what the premium is. This is a great time to educate. It may be that you don't bring that account on the books this year, but it's okay. You have to understand in the middle market specifically Sometimes year one is setting the foundation for you to get that account next year at renewal, and you just need to be patient with it. So when you're in the situation that we're in right now, take that time to educate. Say, hey, I understand the premium is killing you, but here's five other things that are causing that premium to be at the level that's in. And by the way, they're likely costing you money off of your financial statements that's leaking and you don't even realize that it's leaving every month. 
because we don't have a system in place to track this stuff. And that's where we get into total cost of risk, total cost of risk, especially when it comes to like work comp, uh, work comp claims. We're going to get into the soft costs associated with those claims. You know, think about this. The labor market's not any good right now either. So a lot of the times they're having to go hire temp staffing uh, to come in and, and replace jobs and all of that. That's a cost that's never calculated inside a workers comp, right? Here's another one that's never calculated. There's a lot of manufacturers, and I would imagine out in Vegas, you guys have a ton of companies that use staffing to come in and do things. There's a lot of people that want to use a staffing company for their their uh, manual labor because they think it controls their own experience mod because the claims would fall on the staffing company. So they'll bring a staffing company in and they'll have somebody work for 90 days or six months, whatever the contract is, and then they'll hire them from temp to perm but in there, I've seen this where I'll go into an account where the, the company's mod is like a 0.84, but they're working with the staffing company and they're offloading all the claims from the real, um, you know, the real, I wouldn't say dangerous, but the more uh, injury prone jobs to the staffing company. Well, that staffing company is not going to just sit there and take it. Much of the time, you know, if it's a big enough staffing company, they have a fairly sizable deductible on their own workers comp. So they're going to have to increase the cost that they're charging you. That's a soft cost associated with your total cost of risk, paying a premium for labor to go to a staffing company because you want to control your mod is a, is a soft cost associated with this. And you might be surprised to see that somebody's spending more money to, to offload the risk than they would just to run their business the right way. But this is no different than like the cyber criminals and everything else. All of our prospects, for the most part, have a better way, right? They know better. They, you know, and especially the first time you meet them, you know, they're they're going to game the system. They're going to manipulate the pricing. They go, no, this trick, this trick, this trick. But all of those tricks turn into something that's going to cost them a lot more money. The real trick is just do it the way it's supposed to be done, and then you're going to always come out ahead when that happens. So, you know, from your standpoint, your guy's going to only be fifteen thousand dollars more. I would either come in and, and find a quote higher and say, hey, look, here's where we started. I've got great news. This is where we came in. It's got all your forms, endorsements, everything on here. And the best part is I have a feeling that if we can cut this thing clean, we're, we're going to be okay and we'll be able to get you moved, make the changes so that you're not going to open yourself up for a three-year look back on audit if we give a carrier a reason to come in and start sniffing around. We're better off making a clean cut now and moving on. Yeah. And then, I mean, assigned risk was 50 grand, so I don't think <laughs> he, he, that's going to look good, I think, you know, showing, hey, this is where, all you know, this is the worst case scenario. We got you here, you know, 30% of that. So, yep. Yeah, I would say, you know, start high. And start go down, high. Start at your high end and go down from there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Was, and again, I, you know, the communication skill of, of, making it making them i'm hoping that they'll you know appreciate that but i guess you know showing them that the high stuff and scaring them a little bit but i also could see where you know if you had a you know you don't want to lose focus if you overanalyze it you know and you come in with what they want to look at but i'll kind of just throw both of them at them and say hey this is where we were trying to avoid good news is we avoided it here we are yeah no i agree i agree I, i think that's how i would probably approach it good deal i appreciate that Yep. Who else? Oops, damn, if you're talking, you're on mute, brother. There we go. Are we here now? Yeah. I did uh same thing Landon did. Man, it's Monday. 
So yeah, I'm working on, well, so for everybody else's benefit, I am basically brand new to commercial um, as a whole. So, and I'm brand new to producing too. So right now I'm working on my business plan, putting together my list of um, maybe like a short list of niches I could pursue. And that's the area I usually get stuck in by analysis and uh, analysis paralysis. But seems like I have a couple of options here. I like David's idea of um, service contractors. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to target that. Uh, I think I'm going to begin working on service contractors. We already have some smaller guys there. So I know th about them a little bit. So that's my initial thought there. But I, I know there are all these pros and cons and it's hard to analyze them effectively sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, you need to figure out what you have in your area and you can do that by doing some of the lead research stuff that we show uh -huh. you. The other thing I'm going to tell you, you've already said analyze like three times in that little snippet. Yeah. So this is where I jump in your head and say, don't overanalyze it. Like when you're, cool. when you're going through to do your lead research at some point, in case you guys haven't figured it out, the production quality of the learning management system videos gets better as I started investing in more and more equipment. So by the time you get to keeping commercial, we're filling, shooting multiple camera angles, fading in and out, all of this other stuff. Whereas the original stuff, I'm sitting in front of a bed sheet behind my, you know, behind my desk. The content is still good, but I'm going to go back and redo those at some point because I want to make sure everybody's very, very clear when you're working on your business plan and you're starting to put your pipeline together, you know, you only need to do as much research as you need to do that step of the process. So I don't want you filling out 16 columns of a spreadsheet before you make an initial phone call. You really just need to have an idea. Who's the decision maker? What's the number? What's the email? All of that. And then you can gain more information as you call. Then if you get a first meeting, you start doing a little bit more research and a little bit more research as you go down the road. So understand when you go through the research portion of this, it start, it's going to give you everything, but you really only need to do that small subset at any given time to prepare you for the next thing. It's going to be a living document that grows over the course of you producing. So, you know, if you're an analytical guy, you're going to love the way that we sell because it's so much more based on benchmarking and analytics and using data to get somebody to understand that premium is just a symptom of a much bigger problem, whatever that may be. It's in, and that's not relegated to workers' comp. You can move into cyber, you can move into GL, you can move into auto. But you know, the best way that I can tell everybody on here, the difference between how I start in a relationship and how the majority of the agents in the country start a relationship is, when I go in, if I'm only allowed to ask for one piece of information, that piece of information, 10 out of 10 times is going to be the loss runs. I don't care what carrier they're with. I don't care how much they're paying. The loss runs are going to tell me the story of what's going on in the account. And too many people that we compete against view the loss runs as a necessary requirement to get a quote via submission. That's not the case. You've got to go in and study those because they will tell you everything you need to know about the account. So you can form great questions before you go in. So when you're talking with people, you know, they're going to, you're going to find, you're going to find these opportunities. They're very, very subtle. But the reason I keep talking about them is you have to hear them when you're in there. And when you say what say back, the things I tell you to say, they're going to work. But when you hear people and you're saying, well, I suppose you want to get a look at my policies or my deck pages or whatever else. Well, actually, I really appreciate that. And, you know, certainly that might make it easier for you if you were to give that information over. But 
I don't really copy other people's homework, never have and probably never will. While that tells me the solution that they gave to try and fix your problem, it really doesn't identify the problems you have. So the information we ask for is really loss history related as opposed to what the insurance policies are. Boom, done. Nobody That differentiates you. The other thing is, you guys got to remember, when you, go, when you go in and you talk to people, uh, and by the way, Jennifer, I know I keep saying you guys, I'm from up north. I know you're not a guy. I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that I'm, 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 I'm highly I'm, offended. I know. Yeah. I, I promise you last guy in the world. You need to worry about that from, but, um, but you, I, I'll try my best to say y'all. Um, but as you're going in and you're talking with these people, we all have to realize that we look exactly the same in their eyes. It doesn't matter if David goes in or Sam goes in. Jennifer probably does better than we do. You know, she's got her shades on. She's styling and profiling in Vegas today. But seriously, when we go in as a professional, we look exactly the same. We all have an insurance license. We all work at insurance agencies and we can all place coverage. And that's all they think they need. So your opportunity to differentiate comes in the messaging around those little bursts of conversation where you can say that one thing that's completely different. Just like I said before, I think I may, I don't remember if I opened our last call. Um, I, I know I spaced last week and was completely gone um, for whatever reason. Oh, it was Memorial Day. No, it was the week before. It was when it wasn't Memorial Day. But anyhow, this is the question you have to ask every time because it's going to open you up to be able to explain your process that other people aren't going to get the opportunity. And it's an easy question. But many, many people never ask it when they go into a meeting. And that question is, how do you make the decision of who you're going to select to represent you in the marketplace? That's it. Ask them that. That's a fair question to ask. And you may hear that they're going to go get, well, you know, usually we take four or five agencies, whoever calls first, and we'll let them go out and get us quotes and bring them back and we'll pick whichever one we like the best. Or they may say, well, we typically narrow it down to three agencies or They'll say, we narrow it down to three agencies and we give each one of them their first choice of three markets, but the incumbent gets first choice. They're going to give you every iteration of what they do. The reason you want to know that is because you want to try to massage them into a broker selection process and explain what that means. Most clients don't get the fact you can actually be better at representing them than who they have right now. Right In their mind, it's a commoditized transaction. They probably think all we do is go to websites, put in information, get quotes, and come back and tell them what they are. And so if somebody comes up and says, you know, we go to competitive bidding, we do this, we do that, a natural fallback position is, I get it. A lot of our clients felt the same way until we explained how we do business, which made more sense to them. Would you mind if I explained for a couple of seconds because you may find value in that? Then I'm going to walk through broker selection, why it makes sense to pick the agent that you want to represent you in the marketplace. And listen, there is something to be said for a mild amount of insulting somebody when you're talking to them. I'm not saying you need to like get kicked out of the room, but you know, you can do it in a, in a way that is lighthearted and you're going to get your point across. And I I'll typically say, listen, you know, I mean, you've already told me how busy you are. And in fact, you didn't even have time for me today, and I really appreciate you bending and letting me come in, but let's be honest. Are you really the person that's qualified to look at all of these quotes and, and leverage the underwriters against each other and do that? 
are you is that really the best use of your time and where your experience and education falls? And the answer is going to be no. They're they're going to agree with you most of the time unless they come back and say, "Well, I got a CIC and a CRM. I was a 220 agent for 14 years before I went." That's an outlier, right? Most of them don't, and most of them think that they're controlling pricing by playing agents against each other when in reality you have agents that you're pitting against each other who are dealing with underwriters that have no clue what the other person has on the table and you have no way to negotiate. The only way to get the best deal is have one person that's negotiating on your behalf and they go for broke. They, they get you the best deal possible. Why do you think when you're going to, you know, going to be in court that you don't have four different attorneys going in front of the judge trying to get the best outcome for you. That's a ludicrous proposition, but yet that's how we handle renewal. You can't get the outcome before you have the activity. And you need to make sure you're using the most, having the most efficient use of your time on the activity end. So that's just some random stuff that I would bring up today. You know, really, really be thinking about what do I bring to the table? What makes me different? Maybe not even me, the agency, but you personally, because your brand is your agency's brand. I know there are a lot of agencies out there that, and probably nobody that's forward thinking enough to be part of this group, but there are a lot of agencies out there that do not want producers to build a personal brand. Here's what I know. People are going to buy from me. They're going to buy from Sam, Stephen, Justin, Lyndon, and Jennifer. They're not going to buy from the agency. They're going to buy from the people. I found out yesterday that somebody very, very close to me passed away. It was the first underwriter that wrote a policy for me when I got my license. Had a relationship with her for 20 years. She found out, um, and then I got a text. It's it's honestly very, very sad. I got a text from her husband this morning that said, David, I just wanted to thank you. If you wouldn't have challenged Trina on how she was conducting herself in a business environment, that was the first sign that something was wrong with her. She and I had a knockdown drag out. And in 20 years, we never did. And, you know, there's a moral to this story, I promise. But there's probably about five morals to this story. But anyhow, you know, I, I challenged her on something. And you guys heard me. You guys heard me talk about this. If you were in Killing Commercial at the time, where this is a $3 million account. And I got the renewal terms the morning of. And I bound it and then immediately fired the wholesaler that did not hit my deadline of March 1st. And I got it on the morning of the 22nd. That was her. She passed away yesterday morning. And the reason why, the reason why she even went to the doctor was because I told her that something wasn't right. This isn't how she normally behaves. Now, the moral of the story is Trina Schwartz is who I did business with. It wasn't RT specialty when she was there. It wasn't all risk when she was there, and it wasn't Burns and Wilcox when she was there. It was her. It wasn't her company. Every time there was an acquisition or any time she left on her own volition to go somewhere else, I followed her because that's who I did business with. My own book of business is exactly the same. My average client's been with me over a decade. They've been with me through non-competes and, and having to wait that out, but they always come back for the most part when it's time for me to re-engage with them. Keep that in mind. People are doing business with you. What makes you different? What makes, what makes you better than what they have? And then think about what those things are. And then maybe next Monday when we chat, what we talk about is 
how do we package that? How do we package that and get that out to somebody to where we're not trashing who already is representing them, but paints us in the most positive light and helps us push forward? I think that so many times we focus on acting like we know how to help people before we really even know what their problems are. We need to spend more time getting in, in into the conversations that are going to give us the information that we really need. And I've said this from day one. One of the reasons why we do baseline risk assessments is because I know that when I interview the people at the companies that I want to represent, whether they're a client or a prospect, I will always learn more about that company. This is proverbial, proverbially smoking a cigarette on the loading dock with the receiving clerk than I'll ever learn in the conference. Brand yourself, let people get their guard down, build the relationship first. The rule of digital marketing honestly applies to what we do. Build your audience, then introduce the product. Build your audience first, then introduce whatever that product is. So I think so many times, and again, Sam, I'm going to come at you on this because you're going to analyze this stuff, but when you're prospecting, just build the audience, man. You don't, you're not going to close... Lyndon, how many have you walked into any deals yet, Lyndon, where you go in on a cold call marketing drop and you walk out with an agent or record letter on the on the first time? You will at some point, because if you're calling on enough people, the law of numbers is going to let that happen, but it's rarely going to be a good account that you want. It's going to be somebody who's got so many issues, they've been essentially waiting for somebody to come in so they could move to their 15th agency in 12 years. But you know. Just be patient with all of this process, especially when you're newer in it. I was just talking to our appointments that are over in Pakistan, and I told him, I said, you had a great month last month when it comes to the number of appointments, but it absolutely sucked when it comes to the quality of the appointment. And I take responsibility for that because I didn't put enough emphasis on the leads list, and I didn't go back and check behind Kyle to make sure that it was what we wanted. And as a result, he was just calling smaller business. And it, you know he could call for years on that, book hundreds of appointments, and it's still not going to be what we want. So we told him, look, you need to call what we want and don't worry about quality, quantity, worry about quality. Florida Risk Partners literally could write between two and three dozen accounts in a year, and that's all we have to write. That will be a banner year for us. But those two to three dozen accounts are going to be between twenty five dollars and $50,000 in revenue to the agency. Last year, we put a million dollars in new business revenue on the books, not premium, commissions. And that was a banner year for us. This year, we're actually going to probably surpass that based on where the numbers fall now. But the years before that, we didn't put those numbers in. We are just now reaping what we've sown for the years prior. And some of these middle market accounts, depending on size, you're going to have to call one, two, Sometimes maybe even three years in a row before you get the shot, which is why I tell people when you're doing your marketing drops, work it like a route. Build that relationship faster. If you go in, instead of waiting year one at renewal, year two at renewal, year three at renewal, and you go in year one at renewal, two months after renewal, four months after renewal, six months after renewal, by the time that happens, you're automatically going to get a crack going into year number two, because they've seen you more than the incumbent agent since renewal, if you follow that process, right? So just stick with it because at the end of the day, slow and steady, I mean, I know it's cliche, but slow and steady wins this race. I tell my team all the time, you have to slow down in order to speed up. If you're going too fast, 
You might feel activity, but you're not getting productivity. You have to, you have to let the system play and respect the amount of time it takes to do this stuff. And if you get your numbers in, you're going to walk into quick hits that you otherwise wouldn't get. It's because you actually showed up. That's the bonus you get for following the process. So I'm going to let you guys run. We're about 11 minutes over. Appreciate your time today. And I'll catch you all tomorrow and uh, Wednesday if you're on both of those. Cool. We'll talk soon. See you. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes